Welcome to a special edition of the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast. I'm Nick. I'm joined by Ryan. And tonight we're going to sit down and we're going to talk to comic legend Don Chin and get into his new Indiegogo campaign, talk about adolescent radioactive black belt hamster stuff, uh, some of the other stuff he's been working on. Yeah, sit back, enjoy. It's been it's a fun interview. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. So Haunted Log. We were just looking for some weird name, and one of our players was just like, why don't we name it after that stupid state park that we played at? All right. So it was just some <laughs> part of an old game that I just wanted to name. How, how long have you guys had this going? This is oh, our second year for this? Yeah, we're on two years now. I think it's the third year for the main part and two years for this one. So. So do you go after this is recorded? Do you like um, put it on like a, I don't know, like the Apple Podcast or whatever, whatever things there are out there? Awesome. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. It's a uh, on Apple, on Stitcher, on everything. Nice. Even places I have no idea what they are. What kind of what kind of listenership do you kind of the average? Um, we're still growing. So not that great. Um, it's been okay. getting better lately because yeah. we're, we're changing some stuff up. And, you know, we never we didn't do interviews before, and now we I really want to start doing that. So yeah, it'd be a you lot more start fun and more interesting. I hear you. Nice. Yep. So where are you guys located? In obviously United States. Yes, uh, we're both in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, nice. How do you like it out there? Oh, it's joy. <laughs> <laughs> I think a I lot used of people to are spend there. every summer out in California and come, uh, you know, and being stuck here is kind of like, ooh. Well, a lot of people are moving out of our state to go to like Idaho yeah. and Midwest and Arizona. It's like the government are here is not very popular. So it's uh, yeah. very high taxes. I, I like the weather, but the taxes are. Killer, yeah, we're gr growing a lot faster over here because a lot of people coming from the coast, and we just don't have any room for these people. There's they're like putting up apartment buildings like mad. That's so, what I hear. Your your real estate's pretty booming. So what do you guys do for in your like uh, nine to five job if you have one? We work for a broker dealer. Um, I work on the cashiering department, and Ryan. I don't even know what Ryan does. He does some weird crap. <laughs> I do the training for our service side. So anybody that the team that takes the phone calls from uh, our financial advisors, I train okay. them on how to use the systems and stuff. So you guys are like in, working for a, a stockbroker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Everybody says, Oh, you're in securities. Uh, what building do you watch? Like, Oh, that's yeah. not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's too cool well i can't re i can't remember how we connected maybe you guys did you guys mention something about the hamsters or i i can't ah yeah we did a review uh okay we did a, a show on like ninja turtles and uh what the, what they spawned like all the different different books and this was our all of our favorites so oh good that's that's one of my favorites uh <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a bonus story in that that we never actually published on its own. The one where um, I think Clint becomes like a like a Nazi or something. 
in that one. I think it's the back, the back story in that. Like we did issues one through one, two, and three, and I think it collects those. But then we did a a separate story that was only in is, that's America the Beautiful, right? Yep. Graf yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, cool. So are we starting or not yet? Yeah, we can. Um, okay. Whatever you guys want to do. I, know, I don't know your format, but I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of live streams. So, you know, anything's yeah. game. I've noticed. Yeah. I was like, holy crap, dude. He's like everywhere. Like <laughs> your, your Twitter is like, hey, find me on this show. Find me on this show. Find me on this show. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, no. It's um, I didn't realize crowdfunding was, was such hard work. I mean, it's like marketing yourself. Whereas in the 90s when I was publishing, you know, we would just we just sell to a distributor and then go to comic book stores and mm. no one would ever have to see our face. But now it seems like you're almost like you got to be almost like a celebrity to get your, your stuff noticed. Right. And that, that really bugs me too about being a podcaster is like most of the time, all the money goes to celebrities and it's like, they don't need your money. Uh, help us <laughs> at small guys out. Don't, don't yeah. Ron Burgundy or, you know, Will Ferrell doesn't need you helping him out. He's fine. That's true. Stop giving him money. There's one so podcast the that has gets like 35, 35 grand a, a month. And it's like, this guy's on CNN. What? He doesn't need your money. <laughs> so the way you guys would would monetize your your work, is it um, if you get like a certain number of listeners, you would uh, get advertising perhaps or a sponsor? Is that kind of the Yeah, that's kind of how it is. Yep. We had one for yeah. a day and it was only in Colorado <laughs> and nobody listened in Colorado. And we we're like, what are you, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we'll give you some money and mention my product. And that was, that was right. how it worked. Wow. Yeah. That's not yeah. bad. Next day they were just off our, our list and it was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> we, nobody they didn't have Colorado. It wasn't like a commitment. Like you didn't try to like, like, like uh, hook them in for like a month or. No, it, the the service that we use is really weird. Like they'll just go out and find you a sponsor, and then they'll choose like how many times their site gets hit or something like that. And it's like, well, huh. not from us. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, at least that was something. Right. Yeah, you know, it seems like the crowdfunding's going well for you, though. I, I've been looking at your page, and you've already hit the goal that you wanted, and it's still going up. And I hit a so I, I mean, said a something goal. right. Yeah, Ryan, I set a small goal because this wasn't like thankfully my only revenue source. So it's more like a labor of love. And uh, if we do another campaign, I definitely won't get it that low. <laughs> I think I think I should have set the bar a little bit higher because once we hit once we hit our goal, it's like it's been kind of trickling in versus I think kind of having like that telethon mentality where you're striving for the stars. Right. It looks like it's going to be a fantastic book. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to have to. Uh, I have not putting money on it yet, but I will be doing so after reading what you've done with it. It looks like it's going to be amazing. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, different hands in it. It's been, um, you know, it's kind of a mixture of previously 
released material in the 90s that was never colored. And then about 18 pages is new um, material that people haven't seen. So I, I guess, you know, I noticed some of the names that you have on there. You got Mike Barron in there. You got uh, Kurt Hathaway. I was very excited about Kurt Hathaway because I know he worked on a couple of projects with uh, Image that I'm a massive fan of. Um, and you, So you've got some big names, including yourself on there. Is that just from friendships or how did you guys re- kind of recruit some of these guys? Um, well, I'm old, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got started in comics, you know, probably before you were born. So I've been, uh, I've been out of it for like almost like 13 years. That was the last time I ever did anything with Bill Mouse was like in 2007. But prior to that, I kind of left the business in the late nineties to go into real estate. And that's, I'm a realtor by day and a comic book guy by night. So, um, but I always missed it. You know, even the whole time I was a real estate guy, it just, there is some opportunity to be creative. Like when you're writing a house description or perhaps you're taking photos and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as creating comic book characters that come to life and you don't get the same response, you know, looking at a house, flyer than you do a a comic book but um i was fortunate to kind of get my feet wet in the 80s and because the hamsters took off um it kind of opened the door for me to work with a bunch of different people and so kurt hathaway was somebody that was working with eclipse comics in the 80s and he came along and started doing some projects with me like um i think he came along like on the clint miniseries which was a, a two-issue miniseries that mm-hmm. know, stood alone from the hamsters and i think kurt was in that book and he also lettered uh, a fantasy book called enchanter that i did but i don't i think he worked on a kind of the latter issues the hamsters the sam keith issues right so that's kind of where we met and then eclipse started to have um but look, look to be financial troubles in the late 90s, I'm sorry, mid 90s. So Bill Mouse and I, who worked on X-Force for Eclipse, thought, you know, maybe we can do this on our own. So we started Parody Press in like 1993. And then we basically took Kurt along with this. And um, yeah, he was working for Rob Liefeld's Extreme Studios at the same time he was doing our books. And so... It was funny because we'd be spoofing a lot of image books and he'd be lettering both both the image right. book and the movie. <laughs> Sometimes he <laughs> went by a pen name because I don't think he wanted to get in trouble. I was kind of wondering if uh, you could have got Rob Liefeld on this because he likes to make fun of himself. I met him at a con and he was just like, I, uh, I had a book. I was like, can you sign this? He'll like, I'll sign anything. And he, like, he just seemed like he was really a cool down to earth kind of guy. Like he, he, he knows that people like to make fun of his lack of drawing feet. But he, he just seemed like a really cool dude. Like he didn't, he like, it just kind of rolls off his back and he's just like, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. He's really His, nice. his assistant wasn't happy about it, but he, he was okay with it. Yeah. I've met him um, off and on. I, actually, I, I was at a San Diego con when he was just a, just a, a young man. I think he might've just been either, like fresh out of high school. And there was a guy named Art Nichols who used to ink comics for Marvel. 
and he and Art were really close. And so Art ran into me and Rob was hanging out with him and Rob had his, you know, his portfolio with him. This was before he got hired by anybody. And um, <clears throat> I think he had some like Warlord back pages, you know, that character Warlord that Mike Grell did back in the right. kind of like a Conan type guy. But I think uh, Rob had some Warlord penciled pages that he he did. And when I saw them, I said, I want to, I love to work with this guy because he's going to, I could tell he was going to go places. And so not long after that, he, he got hired by DC and then, you know, the rest is history. But I remember seeing him before he was pro and um, he and I actually kind of have a, a, a bond in a fanzine called, called Megaton, which was mm -hmm. like the first, the first place they ever printed Youngblood was in this 80s fanzine before Rob got, you know, hired by the big guys. And um, I was in Megaton as well, but not in the same issue. But it was the book that kind of launched Savage Dragon for Eric All Larson. Right. And then yeah. Gary, Gary Carlson, he was the publisher. He went on to, to write a whole, you know, dozens of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the for Image. So I wish Kirk was here because he's our X-Men guy. He he would probably uh, really, really love this because I don't know. Does Kirk seem to have a sense of humor about the X-Men? I don't think he does. I don't think he really <laughs> He's does. pretty straight he's pretty on straight the X-Men. So <laughs> maybe he would like this. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to pick up two of these, you know. We can talk about whatever you, whatever you want. I mean, X-Farce is like, uh, I talk about it every every show, and and it is it is a fun project. It's a lot of, um, you know, it's like, what if you took the movie Airplane and you put the X-Men in it? It's just seven, seven separate stories with every era of the X-Men that was pretty popular all the way from the 60s. Lee and Kirby X-Men all the way up to the 2020 uh, Jonathan Hickman storyline. I think my favorite um, promotion you have on here is the X-Farce executive box, which is just a, a lunch box. Just, this is called the executive <laughs> box. It makes me laugh. Because yeah. It's, it's, you know, you get the lunch box and three comics and you get a, a ceramic mug and you also get, a, a sketch card by Bill Mouse, and actually, it's on sale just for one day today for like one forty nine. It's normally it's normally two hundred, but um, I decided to kind of do a, a a flash sale because today was my late dad's birthday, and I just thought to honor him um, because he kind of helped me publish my first comics. That I would pass on the generosity to him. So there's a lot of items on our campaign that are reduced price or ninety nine dollars you know, off the artwork that we, that we're selling just to kind of give him some, some love. It's a really cool idea. I saw that and I thought that was really neat that you're doing something like that. Yeah. Thanks, we were talking about that before the show. And it was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. I miss him. He's a, he wasn't really a comic book fan per se. He was always too busy working, but um, like I said, in my little update on the X-Farce, uh, campaign page and he was instrumental in just funding my initial dreams and when hamsters came out uh that was back in 86 i i actually um took it to eclipse and i showed them this concept you know spoofing the ninja turtles and they they said we like it and we'll 
we'll distribute it for you, but you'll have to you'll have to print it yourself. And I went, oh, that's kind of unusual. But the trade-off was that they'd give me a bigger cut if I published it. Because I, I don't think they were sure what it was going to do. I think they just right. thought, we'll give it a shot. And then it winds up selling like over 50,000 copies, which at that time was you know really good for a black and white. I mean, it's good for even anything. It's good now. Right. right. Yeah. So, it's good. Um, really good now. so here I was, look, you know, I'm just this kid in college and I'm looking at this print bill. 50,000 comic books and you know my dad thankfully had the financial means to uh kind of pay the printing bill until I got paid from Eclipse because you know it takes a little while to get your paycheck once all the distributors pay you for everything so um uh, hamsters wouldn't have been printed unless my dad and my mom and my dad you know had the uh wrote me out a check to the printer I remember it it means nothing to you, but I remember that yours was the first independent book I have ever seen. I'd seen Marvel. I'd seen DC. My neighbor had a copy of hamsters and I read through that thing like three times when I was over at his house, ignoring him completely because <laughs> I enjoyed it so much. Awesome, so man. thank you for being a part of my childhood for that. That's right. It is amazing you stuff. Remember, you remember what issue it was or I don't. I was trying to think okay. of that when I found out we were going to get to talk to you, and I cannot remember for the life of me. Um, That's okay, it had to man. be we an earlier one. I think it was about 80, 88, maybe, when okay. I read it. Yeah. So, 88, 89, cool. somewhere in there? Yeah, we were kind of doing um, some one-shots in the, around that time. So, um we did, we did like about 15 or 20 individual hamster issues uh, with Eclipse. And if it was around 89, it might have been, it might have been like just the standalone adventure or something. Yeah, I'm trying to remember a little bit of detail about it. I'm, I, re I just remember looking at the cover and I go, this is a turtle knockoff. What is this? And I read it and I thought it was great. I just can't awesome. remember a whole lot of detail about it. It's um, okay, dude. I have been trying to track all the issues down now because I it reminds me of my childhood, so I've been trying to track all of them down. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons we kind of did the uh, knockoffs of the turtles per se to yeah. kind of pay tribute to some of those because there's so many out there, and yours was obviously the well. I don't know if it's obvious to everybody, but it is obviously the best one because I've read a lot of them. So thank, thank you for you. that. You're welcome. I had fun writing them and they kind of wrote themselves. You know, when you have characters that you're fond of, it's almost like you hear them talking in your head when you're writing. So it's just like transcribing their dialogue. When, when the muse hits you to write, it's kind of a magical thing because it just comes and it's effortless and you're not stressed about it. You know, obviously there's times where I have writer's block, but I, I kind of felt like, um, just uh you know inspired when i wrote those and i would kind of read the dialogue to myself and kind of say you know this this is sound right what they're saying to each other but um that was one thing about the hamsters is i really liked all the characters in that it wasn't just um you know they weren't just two-dimensional i tried to make them right. have individual personalities and and people see that you know yeah, I wish more people would do that with their books current day. 
Um, they, they feel like, I don't feel like people uh, do a great job with that as much as they used to back, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Um, yeah. Do you read anything currently? I mean, do you read any current stuff at all? I, I saw in a, in a previous interview you said you really don't do that too much anymore. Is there anything that you uh, actually do read still current? I have been kind of, um, you know, I hopped on to the crowdfunding uh, scene about, I started investigating about a year ago. Um, and, and strangely enough, I the reason why I got interested was because I kind of came onto a show like yours called The Gospel of Comics. It was more of a, um, it's on YouTube and it's kind of a podcast mm -hmm. like where we talk, but um those guys were just kind of, they found the hamsters as well and they tweeted about it. I think they actually covered, they reviewed an issue and they actually posted it on um, their website. They went through it like page by page and it was kind of a fun thing. So when I saw them on YouTube reviewing the hamsters, I reached out to them and just like you guys, they got back to me and they said, Hey, we'd love to have you on your show. And at that time I really wasn't, you know, reading comics, I was just kind of wanting to see if there was still interest in the hamsters. Um, and so after that, they kind of introduced me to what people were doing crowdfunding. And over the last year, I've been kind of dipping my toe in the water and networking with people and kind of seeing what creators are doing to get their books out there. So yeah, the X-Force is our first crowdfunded book, even though I publish, you know, literally hundreds of comics in the past this is the first time where we've actually reached out to the consumer directly. Um, so uh, I think, did I, did I answer your question or what else was there about it? Yeah, um, no, you, you got it. Perfect. Oh, what do I read? What I read? I'm sorry. Um, You're fine. I like, uh, I like, I'm kind of eclectic, man. I like, I like action. If I read, if I read comics, I tend to be more, I think, on the Marvel side. I like I like some DC stuff. Um, I think there's a lot of humor books that that I enjoy, but I don't think I've read anything recently other than um, Alterna comics. I don't know if you're familiar with Alterna. They have some oh. interesting titles that that kind of appeal to me because they're they're um, they're indie and they almost kind of feel like you're reading. 80s and 90s Marvel. They even look like 80s and 90s Marvel on the on the covers. The way that they've you know, they lay out the, their books. Um, there's actually a book called called the uh, Mighty Mascots that was in an Alterna variety pack. And the Mighty Mascots are like, what if our favorite childhood mascots from like cereal that became superheroes? And when I saw that book, there was like a Alterna collection. It was like three issues of the mighty mascots all in like a newsprint format for five bucks. And that was part of the sampler pack. So I read that and I said, I love this idea. I mean, these, these characters, I think because of a 3d printer accident come to life. So you have like um, a guy that looks like captain crunch. You have like uh, snap crackle and pop. You have the, um, the sugar. Um, what's that guy? The bear sugar, Chris uh, sugar pop. Sugar, yeah, sugar, sugar, pop, sugar, sugar pop bear is in there. And then um, the Kool-Aid guy, they're all knockoffs. You know, he can't use the same. <laughs> right. name, but it's a great, I mean, you can pick these issues up for 
like a, a couple bucks and I read that and I said, I really like this because this is something it's for all ages, but it's still fun. It's kind of edgy. And um, I liked it so much that I contacted the writer of it named Keith Gleason. He's over in Boston. And I said, I really like your stuff. Would you consider doing like a five page X-Men parody for our book? And he and his team are actually doing the, the 2020 um, Powers of X, House of X spoof in our book. So that was kind of neat just to network to this new generation of creators. And so we've got pretty much guys my age as well as younger guys working on this book. Well, I'll have to check that out. I'm always looking for new stuff and um, alternative comics. Okay, I'll have to definitely look in that. Yeah, they're, they've been around a while. Actually, they've been around like for 15, 15 years. And they have a website and a, um, you know, a store where you can – actually, the store is very well done. It's, it's all like state-of-the-art with kind of the moving graphics and previews, and you can look at pages from the inside of the book just to see if it might be something you want to buy. But his prices are dirt cheap. I mean, his books are – generally you know two to three bucks and i think he's he's smart because he he says you always have to give the customer value mm -hmm. so um you know like i said that like a hundred page book for five bucks is a pretty good deal that's a great deal compared to what we're seeing out there now um yeah wow yeah <laughs> i know that part isn't isn't a cheap book but we have such a low run because we're not going through distributors that, that you kind of have to make up for um you know if, if people need to get paid you have to kind of well no I, I understand that i i have you know i think actually you have a great value on this x-force completely um you know i i love supporting things like this um with the bigger publishers and things like that they're you know you're getting what maybe thir 48 pages for eight dollars nowadays and it's, there's just no value to it um with a project like this you can see that the uh the you care about the characters and you're trying to do something fun and make it enjoyable for everybody and i love supporting things like this so i think you can have some great value there for what you what's on the page and all that thanks man thanks ryan hey don um, I, I got a question for you um when did you write for Cracked Magazine? Uh, nineteen eighty-three, number issue number two hundred, which is uh, right, is it right here. Okay, so I read that before I read Adolescent Radioactive Black Bill Hamster. So I was reading your stuff, probably inappropriate age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like uh, seven. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of when I started so, seeing it on the newsstand. I think I was, you know, just like you. You might have. And you know, going to the grocery store and you see mad and then you see cracked and depending on what kind of subject matter you, you were into, you would pick up one or the other. But um that's kind of my introduction to satire is is cracked. Yeah. And, I and then, I loved cracked so much better than mad back then. I was just like oh, dude, good. It was so much different. Like mad was it 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 seemed a little stuffier than cracked. Cracked was just like a total goofy you know, characters and creators doing whatever they wanted, you know? Yeah. And I think I agree with you. It almost, Mad was almost, it seemed like for a little bit more mature, older 
you know, crack. Weird to say. At, yeah, I think crack, crack kind of was a little bit lower common denominator, but still, um, I thought the artwork in Cracked was really good, especially John Severin, the guy that did most of the covers and movie mm -hmm. parodies. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of on a whim, I thought, well, why don't I try to submit some of my stuff to Cracked? And I kept on, you know, mailing stuff back in the day. You know, you didn't have email. You would just type a script and send it to New York and hope you got a response. And, you know, I got my share of rejection letters from Marvel and DC and different other people. But um, that's kind of what we used as a catalyst in high school. My buddies and I thought we were the next big thing and we would send off our stuff to these publishers and we'd get these rejection notes and you know, we'd be kind of insulted because we thought we were better than we really were and now I look back at the stuff I did in the 70s I'm going I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> sending because <laughs> it looks like I would even put it on my you know in a birdcage but I think <laughs> I, just, I think we were just kind of young and naive and um you know kind of had an ego but um yeah, Cracked eventually wrote back to me and said, hey, you know, we like your stuff. We'll publish you. And so I had about three or four issues of Cracked that they published me in. And then I realized, you know, I really don't think I can make a living on this because I'm not getting like six or seven pages an issue. I'm only getting like one or two. And, you know, at that time it was, you know, 50 to $100 for a, a page. So uh, I just thought, oh, well, I'll just – you know, continue with my education. And I had a comic book store that I was running during the 80s when I was in college. So that's kind of where I heard about the turtles and it being a phenomenon because I, I tried to get turtles in my store and it was hard to track them down. And and they, every, anytime I would get them, they would sell real quickly. So the hamsters was just kind of a, a brainstorm sitting in a class in college. And I was just doodling and out came the words adolescent right after black belt hamsters and i sketched a few what i thought was going to be kind of what they would look like and then i just took it to my friend parsonovich who was my cartooning buddy in high school and i said hey you want to do a story on this that's kind of a spoof in the ninja turtles and he said yeah let's do it so we did a like a 31 page story that was all done and then we sent it to eclipse and that's how we kind of got our our feet in the door I don't want to know how long it took him to draw a page. <laughs> yeah, he's meticulously slow, as you can um, see by by looking at that um, the America the Beautiful. He he goes cross cross hatching crazy. Um, <laughs> you guys know who um, who Mobius is? Yeah, John Hero from like Heavy Metal, and um, mm -hmm. that's that's who Parzanovich thought. He wanted to be, you know, in high school. He wanted to. Um, it was kind of weird because we we grew up kind of reading underground comics. So on one hand, he would have this style with this uh, marijuana superhero named Stoner Man that he would draw. That was really simple, kind of like Fat Freddy's Cat or the the furry that furry Freak Brothers. So he'd have this real simple underground style. But then there was this other side of Parsonovich that was just totally Mobius. A no, Mobius nut, and so really for his age and being in high school, he did a really good knockoff of Mobius. There's some stuff I have in, in stuff that we did in high school that would just blow your mind that he he did. And um, 
So, but he always had a weird sense of humor and I just thought he would be the perfect guy to draw hamsters because his style could kind of look a little bit like Eastman and Laird, the guys that, that did the turtles. But he is slow and that's why he couldn't, he couldn't keep up with the rigors of a regular um, bi-monthly or even a quarterly book because after hamsters did so well, the first issue, Eclipse came and they said, hey, let's let's keep publishing more of these. And I think Parsanovich just wasn't ready to um, put that amount of time into it. Okay, I've got to ask you. I know you did a book called Arrow Man, and you made a reference about uh, a character that, and I don't know if it's in Arrow Man. I, have, I just found out about Arrow Man. I'm going to have to track that one down too. The Amazing Bull weave, Weasel. Oh, weave yeah. Thing. Wow. I cannot believe you're did, asking me about Arrow Man. That is too cool, dude. <laughs> I mean, that was like, Arrow Man was like my, um, actually from junior high school is when I created Arrow Man. And I would publish these little strips just for my classmates. And then eventually it moved into doing, like going to Kinko's and assembling little, um, you know, taking an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, folding it in half and then doing like a eight or 16 page mini comic on colored paper. That was like my very first kind of self-publishing things I did. And Arrow Man was my character. So as I got better, um, I always wanted to do more with Arrow Man. And so Arrow Man is one of the few things that I actually myself drew because I'm not really, you know, I feel like I'm an okay cartoonist, but not nearly as good as, people that work for me but arrow man was um something that i did with with parody press and um a guy named sam ray who was a very nice guy who was my mentor he inked it and um <clears throat> he since passed away but for some reason he lived he lived up here in northern california i think he worked for the department of forestry and he happened to be a, a really big um cartooning fan as well as very talented and when he saw the fanzine that my my high school buddies and i were putting out called overload that we just had in a few like liquor stores he contacted us and he started to contribute to our book and he was like he could have easily been a professional um cartoonist or a letter he just you know he just came from the old school of cartooning and so he gave me and parsonovich and a lot of these other younger guys, um, the tools to be better creators. And then later on down the road, you know, Sam retired and we still kept in touch, but his son, William is very well known. He is, um, he's done a lot of coloring. I think he worked on the Ren and Stimpy show as like the guy that would paint. Um, you know, Ren and Stimpy every once in a while, they'd have the animation. And then every once in a while they, they'd zoom in like on a painting that was like, too close for comfort, yeah. show like pimples, <laughs> like that. That I think that was the stuff that that Sam's son William wound up actually drawing, and then William went into comics and he did. I think he did some Batman work with like Bernie Wrightson and um, just a really talented guy. And now he's he's more of like a fine artist. He'll he'll do like these beautiful you know cityscapes and murals, and it almost looks like he's. You know, gone a complete 180 from comics into like fine art with brush, you know, and paint and stuff right. like that. So, 
Um, yeah. And anyways, Arrow Man, you know, his buddy was the Amazing Bull Weevil, which was obviously a parody of Spider-Man. And so, um, yeah, I've got, I've actually got some of the original artwork behind me from Arrow Man. Let me see if you can. Have you ever seen it, Ryan? I no, I have not seen it. I'm I now I'm going to pursue tracking it down because this, yeah, I, it sounds I amazing. Can, I think you can find it like on Mile Mile High Comics, but I mean this is like really old. <laughs> I mean I did this is probably like from the eighties, but if you can kind of see my my style, oh, wow. yeah. So that's me, my pencils with Sam Ray's inks and his lettering. I mean he was. He was good enough to be a professional letterer. And you don't know how much a letterer adds. I mean, like someone like Kurt, if 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 you have someone like Kurt, he, he can make crappy art look good. Um lettering is like a kind of a lost art. It's very um important to the way that a, a comic book page looks because it uh if you don't have it strategically placed or it looks sloppy. It just makes the whole product right. look kind of rinky-dink. So uh, thankfully, we had guys that came early, like Sam and, and Kurt, to uh, make our stuff look at least somewhat somewhat professional. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of like small press comics lately, and when you, when you see that whole bunch of like white on the side of where the words should be, and it's all scrunched to one side, it's like, this is cheap. I mean, this, yeah. this just looks so. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Kurt, Kurt comes from like he comes from like old school because when he was doing stuff for Eclipse, he would um, you know, back in the day, it was very not very much digital stuff was going on. You would you would basically write a script, give it to the artist, and then depending on the artist, the artist would pencil it. And then um, actually go to the letterer next with the script. And then he'd, he'd physically do the word balloons and the um, text and the sound effects on the pencil page. And then it goes to the letter, I'm sorry, to the inker after that to finish it. And then depending on whether it's colored or not, it would go to a colorist. So um, the letterer basically had to physically, be, I mean, Pages that Kurt has done have done for me. He he cut out stuff like with an exacto, or he would he basically ink um, his word balloons right into the penciled artwork. Um, but now he's all digital, so you know when I give him a file, it's typically sent via email, like on a Dropbox or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he'll he'll digitally letter over it. In fact, there's a page on the campaign. That's where I have the ex-cons meet the, uh, the the infringers in Mission Antarctica. And that's, it's a three-page story with no artwork at all. It's totally the, nothing. The blizzard. blizzard. Right, the blizzard scene. So um, I, I think John Byrne back in the 80s, Alpha Flight, actually, since your name is Alpha Flight, um, Nick, did you know that he did an issue that was pretty much nothing but word balloons? <laughs> Are you an Alpha Flight fan? Yeah, there's that number six. I remember I which one it is. Snow, snow blind. Antarctic, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Antarctic, and and uh, one of the characters, female Snowbird or whatever her name Snowbird. is. Yeah, 
she she's in a blizzard and so i kind of looked at that and i think that came out in 83 i kind of gave a homage to that in hamsters because they're in a snowstorm and there's a page where there's hardly any dialogue and they're in a delorean or something so um <laughs> yeah. i know yeah. yeah, I milked I milked that that old joke in in 2020 on on X Farce by having a, a a complete three page, nothing but but word balloons. So I I, I think it's funny just because you have to use your imagination to imagine what these these characters are are doing. Are you scrolling through it, right? Um. Yeah, I'm taking a quick because I looked at it beforehand and I. I read through it a little bit. It is just great. I I love the uh, visual effect of it because you're you want to you want to think you want to or you want to see something there, and all you're seeing is the word balloons. But it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> thought it's totally a totally wide out storm, and you can't you can't see anything, and you've basically got the the X Men's. Uh, X-Men's uh, Blackbird has landed accidentally on top of the Avengers, you know, Quinjet. So they're, they're smushed on top of each other and they don't know how to get each other out. So that's the whole dilemma of the, of the three page story. And they actually wind up having to eat. Um, I think instead of vision, I call, I have him called the fishing and he, he's just, all he says is bloop. Like he's like a goldfish or something. <laughs> so they, they wind up having to eat eat him to stay to stay alive <laughs> oh, wow. oh wow i i'm looking forward i'm going to go out and get this right after and looking forward to receiving it this is just amazing we have a um oh. let me just refresh real quick to see if anyone's purchased uh yeah, I've been trying to move the needle for the last couple of days. We're over 1800, but I have a deal. Like I said, the next person that spends $75 gets a free uh, sketch by uh, one of our artists. And so far, no one's taken that up. But if you, let's see, where is it? Um, yeah. If, the, the next person that spends 75 bucks gets this amazing Roach guy um, sketch that one of our artists did. So I'm looking forward to giving that to somebody. But if if you're feeling like super generous, you could, if you have $75 to spare, you, you would actually get that extra sketch along with, with whatever you purchased. I may have to see if I can dig that up because I saw that and I'm like, that is a really cool sketch. I think that was probably one of the coolest things on there that I was like, Oh, that'd be really neat to have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Trying to be creative. I mean, it's like the first time you do a campaign, it's so flexible because you can say, Oh, well today I'm going to do like a, this drawing or maybe offer a digital download or just, you know, let people know what, what place I'm going to be interviewed next and have some kind of, drawing affiliated with that but um uh delphin who who actually is our colorist on the comic book as well as an artist on the on a, on a new story he he graciously gave me like about 10 i don't know six or ten different sketches that he did like here's here's mm -hmm. a pull. he says pull my finger <laughs> so 
he said, you know, do whatever you want with them. You can auction them or give them away. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I really like what you have set up here. I think you've got some great prices on things. Um, the co the covers all look great. You know, the, the art Thanks, looks man. fantastic. You know, did you see the? You um, this is your first uh... first Sorry, campaign. Yeah, um, I was gonna I was gonna point you to one of the covers because uh, you there's three. You know, there's the X Force homage, which is mm -hmm. Bill Mal. He draws he basically redraws the 1992 cover but in 2020 and then you know he's a much better artist now in fact you know i have i have the original that's that's for sale this is uh today it's down to 500 but tomorrow we'll go back up to 600 because it's only on sale today because of because of my dad's birthday right but, so that's for sale and um the second cover is the x cons which looks like the 1960s marvel x-men and that's by that's by mark lewis but the third one is the one that i've been waiting forever and that's by a guy named rob willis and rob willis is like a lot of independent people they say oh this this guy's going to be the next big thing and if you look up his covers um he did one for a book called black flag recently it's an indiegogo project and if you go to um black flag and you look up his variant that he did just like last year. I mean, it'll blow you away. This guy's artwork is like, um, do you remember in the nineties, uh, Dale Keown, Stephen yeah. Platt. Okay. That's, he's kind of got that look to his style. I mean, almost like, uh, Stephen Platt and Dale Keown had a love child. So like Travis well, Cherist. Yeah. Kind of that very, yeah. very ultra, detailed stuff and so i reached out to rob like four or five months ago and he says oh yeah i'm like five months four or five months out but if you give me a deposit i'm i'm sure i'll be able to get to it by the end of the year but he's been kind of behind on his work so i kind of thought we would have his cover by the time we launched but i i couldn't wait any longer i just said you know we'll we'll just advertise it when we get it so if you look on the um uh, rob willis variant uh, Ryan, there's, can you see the cesspool character, black yeah. and white? Yeah. yeah. He just sent me that this morning. He said, I'm working on it. I think the scene is going to be on the cover will be like cesspool fighting cable TV and tangerine as the main image. And then um, in the background, I think we're going to have like Miss Piggy, Mistress Piggy and um, Gar Farrell, who's the orange Garfield feline. You know going at it but uh i'm really excited because that that deadpool cesspool that you see is just a little snippet of the kind of quality that that full cover will be so um it should be pretty cool i can see yeah it should be very cool that wow so yeah if you get a chance just just go to black flag and on Indiegogo and just scroll down until you see Rob Willis's cover. And Matt Yaki, who's the colorist on that cover is actually doing the colors on our X-Farce cover. So it's gonna be like, it'll probably be poster worthy. We might have to, you know, make some type of poster or a t-shirt, something like that. All right. What do you like to read, Ryan, besides 
Oh, jeez. Um, every issue of Hal Jordan ever. Are you a big I, Green Lantern fan? I am fan, a huh? massive Green Lantern fan. Um, I actually just completed the my run of it, so I now have everything from Showcase Twenty Three to current for. Wow. Uh, I've, awesome. I've, I've actually gotten to the point where I'm sadly going back and now trying to track down um, newsstand covers opposed to the direct wow. covers just so I have something to continue to <laughs> chase down. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I like to read a lot of independent stuff. What's yeah. that? Who, who is your favorite artist on Green Lantern? Oh, I like Joe Stanton stuff an awful lot, but I think I'm probably going to lean towards Doug Mankey just because I've met him several times and just a real cool guy and I enjoy talking to him. So, you know, Mm -hmm. when you meet somebody, you kind of appreciate their stuff a little bit more. And um, Did he work on the mask too for like Dark Horse? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think he did. That name sounds familiar. Um, yeah, I have a. Um, I think I have like a Sinestro graphic novel that I bought, and it's got a lot of good artwork in it, like Ethan Van Skyver's in it, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's pretty impressive. But I, um, yeah, I used to like Green Lantern back in the day. I I had I think a few of the Gil Kane like vintage shoes back in the right. day. And, uh, yeah, but I didn't think the movie was that bad. Did Did you think it was really bad? The Ryan Reynolds movie. Um, rap. I don't think it was like unwatchable, but like I don't know. Maybe my when standard. I first saw it, when I first saw it, so um, I got to go see a sneak preview of it, and um, and the guys that got me the tickets. Are, were through a comic shop and they gave me the tickets because they knew I was a huge Green Lantern fan. So I went and got a sneak preview of it and I came out and I was extremely disappointed. I thought they took too much and crammed it into one movie. I thought they could have broken it down into a couple of movies and made it a little bit better. Since then I've rewatched it a number of times and I enjoy it for what it is. Um, and just happy they made a Green Lantern movie at some point. So yeah, that's Initially, cool. yeah, disappointed, but now I'm like, hey, you know what? He's got a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Did you like uh, Wonder Woman 84? Honestly, I have not seen it yet. I haven't seen it? How about you, Nick? No. Have you seen it? We were supposed to go yesterday, but a uh, family thing came up and just couldn't oh, see it. Oh, you guys got to see it in the theater? Yeah. Oh, nice. We uh, I just our theaters are open for like twenty five, maybe thirty percent. So, oh, but I think ours are, are. I think ours are too. But um, I haven't been to the cinema in, like for a year. We we helped them out during the the whole shutdown thing, but we went to see like Ghostbusters and something. I can't remember what else it was for like five bucks. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. So the old, the old nobody stuff else in the theater. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, any anything else, guys? You want to ask me about or 
you answered everything I had. I'm just excited that I got to talk to you. So thank you for coming oh, on and taking it some time with us. Yeah, it's, it's always been like uh, one for me to meet you and talk to you because, you know, growing up, like this was before I read any turtle stuff. I read, I read the hamsters. So I, awesome. if I have this, this love for that book uh, a little bit more than I do for the turtles. So, Oh man, thanks. It was, it was it was the first one that I read of like mutated animals. So this was was that like was it your idea to cover it on the show? Yeah, we we go through and we we give each other like a book, like everybody would read it, and that was my week for for the turtle parody book. So awesome, man. was that one because Thank that you. that scene where they're like he's got uh, fuzzy palms that. You know that that panel has been with me since I was like thirteen, and I still giggle every time I read it. So, <laughs> yeah, I threw in. He's a got fuzzy palms. Of, you know what that means? I, I threw in a little bit of uh, crude stuff every once in a while in that book. Um, <laughs> it was well, they get coked up in the back of that car on the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they, was uh, uh, yeah, that was Clint. Clint kind of yeah. having a little bend, a little bender there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, nope. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty conservative, but Clint let me. He kind of write, you know, write the wild side of me that that if I was ever a party animal, I can kind of live vicariously through him. But um, I liked a lot of uh, kind of punky music in the '80s, so he was kind of a, a weird synthesis of almost like Billy Idol, Clash, and if if somehow they met Clint Eastwood and that's <laughs> what, what Clint was. So. Yeah, man, I, we don't want to keep you too long. We know we, we said an hour yeah. and it's, it's been yeah, I'm gonna, close. Actually, I have a dinner over at my, my mom's still, uh, she doesn't live that far away from me. My brother came up here from, from Sacramento with his wife. So we're going to go have dinner and kind of celebrate, you know, my dad's birthday. So that's why we're okay. Why I'm heading out. But thank you guys for your time. I had a great time. Well, thank yeah, you for yours. Awesome. Thank you. Thank really you. appreciate it. Let me know how I can share the uh, podcast when it's ready for airing. I'll, I'll gladly, you know, tweet it and put it all over my social media and go from there. Right. Cool, man. I'll uh, have it up right. soon. I'll let you know. Thank you. All right. Take all care. Right. Thanks a lot, man. Bye. Take care. Thanks, Don. Nice meeting you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, he's awesome.